This podcast was originally on my Strang Report podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. It was so good and so timely, I wanted to share it on the God Trump 2020 election podcast. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. Uh, You know, everything that's going on with the election is so crazy, it reads like a novel. Well, today we're going to find out there is a novel about the election heist. It's by Ken Timmerman, and you're not going to want to miss what he has to say, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview. Welcome back, everyone. You know, I've been doing podcasts both on my Strang Report as well as my God Trump, the 2020 election podcast, just because with everything that's going on, and of course, I believe that there's a spiritual perspective to it. And of course, Mm. a lot of Christians are praying that the Lord's will will be done in this election. But I've been fascinated by this novel, The Election Heist. I got to know Ken Timmerman in St. Augustine, Florida, when he came to hear me speak about one of my Trump books when I spoke at the Trump Club, which is the most enthusiastic group I've ever spoken to in my life. I mean, these people are just like over the top. And he came up and introduced himself as an author. And I was, you know, fascinated, of course, with what he did. He's a very, very successful businessman. And, uh, just by way of introduction, I'll just mention to my listeners that I did a podcast last Easter. Uh, Ken and his wife were stuck in France during the lockdown, and he did a podcast with me about how absolutely repressive their lockdown was. And we were just beginning to hear the same thing in our country uh, in terms of the government Uh, not even allowing people to go to church. And, of course, that's something we've covered many times since then. So all that to say, I am very glad that Ken worked some time into uh, his busy schedule to talk to me about what's going on and also to tell you about the election heist. I've just started reading the book. It is just absolutely fascinating reading. And um, so let me, first of all, welcome you and uh, maybe ask you why you wrote this novel, what did you have in mind, and how do you think that it compares or contrasts with what, what we're seeing in the news every day? Yeah, well, thank you, Stephen, for having me on. Uh, you know, simply put, I wrote the election heist as a warning. I wrote it as a fiction to give an enjoyable way for people to learn about things that otherwise they might not think they're interested in, such as electronic voting machines. I have a company in the book uh, that flips votes in an election. It's called Dominant Technologies. Ooh, (laughs) that sounds close, doesn't it? (laughs) Did you know about Dominion when you picked that? Uh, I, I'm not going to comment on that, but uh, I'll tell you, there was, a guy, there was a guy at Dominant Technologies who's famous in my book called Eric Figueroa, and uh, he's the one who sends the uh, uh, last-minute patch. This is a software update to the election machines uh, the, a couple days before the election in 2020, 
in the in real life, there's a man who I did not know about named Eric Kuber, and he holds the patents on most of the software for uh, uh, Dominion voting systems, and he has gone missing since the election. Nobody has heard of him. The last we did hear of him was in a Zoom call in, I believe it was August or early September, with Antifa, where he told Antifa activists, of which he apparently was one, that they didn't have to worry about the 2020 election because he'd made sure, he'd fixed it, he'd made sure that Donald Trump was not going to get reelected. Now, I'm cleaning up his language a little bit for our audience, but you get the drift. Um, so why aren't the authorities believe- taking that uh, serious? I mean, this is like uh, having people on tape threatening to blow up the Twin Towers and then, then doing it, isn't it? it, it- it's pretty extraordinary, Stephen. It really is. This, my book was published in August before the election, so three months before the election. It was actually finished by Christmas time of 2019, and yet there's scene after scene after scene in the election heist that's played itself out in the real world. For example, I have, I have scenes in there uh, right after the election where Antifa goes marauding up Fifth Avenue, busting up Trump Tower and the stores and killing, killing cops. Well, you know, we saw Antifa. We saw that a little bit earlier. We saw them in April, uh, May and June uh, busting up our cities. Uh, there's a scene with a, uh, an election supervisor, one of the uh, heroes of my book, The Election Heist, who kind of gets wise to the trick of how these companies and the Democrats basically flipped votes using the election software. And she is doxxed in my book. She is doxxed. Uh, her, her family is threatened. Um, you know, her daughter is threatened. Everything. Well, we just learned a couple of days ago that Monica Palmer, the Republican um, member of the canvassing board in Wayne County, uh, Michigan, which is Detroit, the same thing happened to her. She was doxxed. She was sent text messages with obscene photos of teenage girls and was told that this is what's going to happen to your daughter. I mean, she was she she, you know, was she couldn't believe that that kind of thing could happen in today's American America. And alas, Stephen, it can and it does. And isn't it interesting that all of it is in one direction It's all to benefit Biden, none of it to benefit Trump and is just so flagrant and in my book, God, Trump, and the 2020 election, I have a chapter, uh, in fact, it's chapter two on why Trump might lose. And at that point, when I wrote it, which I finished before Thanksgiving last year, it came out in January, I wrote about a lot of this fraud and said that fr- there were several reasons, including the economy tanking. Well, guess what happened with uh, COVID? You know, when I wrote it, it, it almost seemed impossible that the economy would tank based on the normal things that make the economy tank. Of course, none of us ever thought of a virus coming from China. But uh, as I've watched this unfold, I was aware, and I tried to be measured in what I said. Of course, I had no proof. I didn't know anything about Dominion. I mainly uh, talked to people who warned about mail-in votes and finding votes in boxes, like in the trunk of a rental car, which happened down in Brevard County in uh, 2018. Isn't it interesting? The Democrat is behind by a certain number of votes. And after, um, you know, everything's kind of shut down for the night, they discovered these boxes of uncounted votes. And the stories that I've heard about this time and 
you know, it's, you know, you hear somebody talking about it on TV. How in the world do you che- check it out? But they say that they'll find all these votes, and every single one of the votes is for Biden, and no, and they voted only for president. They didn't vote any downline, and it's all of them. Well, that's impossible. It is just absolutely impossible. It's like flipping a coin and having 100% heads. It just doesn't happen. To me, that is so flagrant on its face, it ought to be thrown out. But yet, apparently, it's got to kind of work its way through the court system. So help me understand, help my listeners understand what's really going on. Well, it does have to work its, th- its way through the court system. Uh, let me give you an example of how the courts work. Uh, over the summer, uh, there is a group called the Thomas More Society, conservative group, that filed a number of lawsuits against uh, some voters' rights organizations that had received $400 million from Mark Zuckerberg to increase voter turnout and to, to uh, pursue mail-in ballots, to, to, to promote mail-in ballots and all the rest of it. Mark Zuckerberg actually paid the salaries of the people who counted the votes uh, in many of the big cities that went for Biden with such enormous numbers. But those cases were thrown out of the courts in the summer because as of yet, there had been no harm caused. In other words, there had been no votes that had been flipped, so they couldn't be heard preventively. That's why I wrote a book as a fiction, The Election Heist as a fiction, was to was to, to warn people ahead of time, to warn the campaign, the Trump campaign ahead of time, of the kind of tricks we could expect the Democrats to play and to urge them to get their legal teams uh, engaged ahead of time. Wow. You know, that's kind of like a mass shooting. And um, they can't really arrest someone if they haven't done the crime. Or, you know, you even hear it with, with um, domestic violence where, you know, they can't arrest the husband for being violent because he actually hasn't, you know, done anything. And then the next thing you know, he kills his spouse. I realize that sometimes there could be probable cause, but to me, it kind of falls in the same category. What do you think? Uh, it, it, it's pretty outrageous, frankly. And uh, you would think that our vote in this country was something sacred, that the, um, uh, you know, the security of our voting systems is something everybody should care about. You know, in 2019, you had three Democrat senators, uh, Ron Wyden, uh, uh, Pocahontas, believe it or not, and Amy Klobuchar, uh, send, send letters to all of the manufacturers of voting uh, equipment, the six of them, including uh, Dominion Voting Systems, asking them to provide information about the security of their equipment and their software and and raising real questions about the lack of security in that equipment. Well, Democrats were really concerned about that in 2019. That was because of the of the primary, the Democratic primary. Isn't that right? uh, It is. And and uh, but but today they don't seem to be worried about that. They just don't seem to care about the security of voting systems. Isn't it amazing? It really is. And, you know, of course, it's been said before that these people, and it's not just one little group, I mean, it's like most of the media, most of academia, most of the Democratic Party is just doing anything they can to get Trump out, you know, including stealing an election that some people are saying was a landslide for Trump. Now, I have no way of knowing if that's true or not. Hopefully time will will prove that to be true. 
But I mean, if you just look at the enthusiasm, you know, I uh, I never attended a Biden rally, but I saw on TV there'd be like 25 or 50 cars, you know, supposedly because of COVID. Trump would have 25,000 people standing in line the same day. And in one time it was in Tampa. They were in the same city on the same day. You know, even if even if Trump had said, OK, we're going to have a car rally for COVID reasons, you know, to keep everybody safe. There would have been 25,000 cars as far as the eye could see, or maybe two people a car. There would have been half that. There wouldn't have been 50 or, or you know, 25, 50 or however many it was. It was, you know, a handful by comparison. So just based on that alone, you have to know that something is wrong. Plus, look how they came against Kavanaugh. And when they saw they couldn't defeat him, they they threw it was you know in football don't they call that a hail mary pass where they just yeah, do right. something crazy hoping that maybe it'll work in that case it was to try to make either Trump withdraw Kavanaugh's name or maybe make Kavanaugh so upset that he just decided hey I don't you know I don't want this and and withdraw his name either one would have caused it to win they can't beat Trump in the polls, or at least so far they haven't. And so they could steal the election and figure they could get away with it because they'd be getting away with all this fraud. This isn't the first time. You know, there's reason to believe that the the House uh, uh, went Democrat in 2018 because of fraud. And, and you know, there's probably been fraud in a lot. Every election, there's probably some fraud somewhere. In 1960, it was in Cook County, and it's what gave Illinois to JFK, but, you know, Nixon just kind of played nice and went along with it. Boy, how history would have been different if that election had gone different. And there's lots of examples down through history, but it just seems now that the whole Democratic Party is so focused on anti-Trump that they, it's like all the rules are out the window. They don't even pretend they're not even embarrassed that all the charges are in their direction and none the other way. I mean, it's like they have no shame. It is exactly like they have no shame, Stephen, and they don't. Uh, in fact, uh, I wrote in a column recently at uh, Newsmax that uh, it, this is something I really hate to say it. It's almost in the DNA of Democrat activists. They believe it's not just OK to cheat. They believe it's actually virtuous to cheat because they get their person elected. They win. The ends justify the means. You know, you talked about the enthusiasm for Trump and, and car rallies and stuff. There actually was a car rally for Trump in Arizona. It was 96 miles long, bumper to bumper. I did the figures on that, and you were absolutely right. It was 25,000 people, <laughs> 96 miles long. Joe Biden was lucky to get, you know, a couple of dozen cars honking at a rally. Uh, the Cook uh, political report said a couple of days before the election, there were 27 House seats that were really up for. They were too close to call. They were swing districts. The Republicans won all 27 of them in the Senate. We were supposed to lose several seats so far. We haven't. We've only lost one. And if we win the two seats in Georgia, it would have been a net loss of just one seat. Republicans would still have the majority. They want us to believe that the guy in the basement who didn't go out and campaign 
uh, elicited such enthusiasm from the American public that he won 15 million votes more than Barack Obama did in 2012. I mean, they're gaslighting us, and they've been gaslighting us. I can tell you, though, exactly what happened. On the night of the election, and this is where the election software comes in, on the night of the election, the Democrats saw down in Miami-Dade County in South Florida, supposed to be a Democrat stronghold, President Trump won 200,000 votes more than he had won there in 2016. They were blown away. The Democrats were blown away. They hadn't expected that type of margin. Uh, And Florida, as you remember, was called pretty early in the night. After that, the orders went out and they had to they had to stop the vote count because they knew they were going to lose. And so they stopped the vote count in all of those key swing states in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin. Uh, I remember going to bed at night. Trump was winning by over four percent in Wisconsin in the morning. He was down by 50 or 80,000 votes. I said, well, gee, what happened? The graveyards in Milwaukee voted overnight. Uh, and that, in fact, is exactly what happened. The Democrats realized they had to get out those four inner cities, uh, Detroit, uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Georgia, and Milwaukee, and basically stuff the ballot boxes. Those are the only places that Joe Biden outperformed Hillary Clinton in 2016, which is really extraordinary if you think about it. Those four cities, and that is what the media has used to call the election for him. By the way, all of those states are in dispute today. We're talking about 62 electoral votes, enough to put Donald Trump well over the 270 needed for the presidency. Well, you know, this just seems so black and white. Uh, You know, I mean, like in Florida in 2000, you know, it was like maybe did they count them right or count them wrong or were there a couple of hanging chads or whatever it was, but there was not this blatant corruption that I guess that was more of a of a close vote count but you know you and I are not going to solve this we don't have the power and the authority to solve it is uh, but there seem to be so many corrupt even judges that will you know that have the same mindset that anything goes the ends justify the means but I, in America we have safeguards we have good people in office I mean this is how it's supposed to work or at least that's what I think and yet again and again and again, it seems that these people get away with it. Like, you know, look at all the mess with the Russian collusion, and almost no one has gone to jail over that. Almost no one. But Donald Trump's people, they, they cheat on their taxes, you know, several years ago, and they end up going to jail over it. And, may, you know, maybe they should, but, I mean, it had nothing to do with Russian collusion. How is it that the Democrats seem to get away with this stuff and and any Republican that screws up is just nailed to the wall? Yeah, isn't it wonderful to be a Democrat? <laughs> they seem to be able to get, get away with anything. You know, the media, uh, Stephen, has been saying again and again that, there's no evidence that the Republicans have shown no evidence. Rudy Giuliani and his legal team have shown no evidence of election fraud or anything significant, you know, more than a handful of votes. And yet there are literally hundreds of affidavits already signed and sworn, uh, entered into cases in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and elsewhere of people who were on the scenes during the vote counting. And uh, they are almost unanimous. The same kind of thing happened again and again and again. You had one woman in Detroit who was um, uh, talking about how they were trained by these people paid by Mark Zuckerberg. 
how they were trained to backdate ballots if they arrived too late. If the signature didn't match, they would ascribe the vote to somebody else. They were basically told in their vote count, in their poll um, uh, election worker training, how to cheat in favor of Joe Biden. That's something that most of the people listening to this would say, it's just un-American. And yet, this was something that was done systematically by Democrat Party activists who were paid for, as I said, by Mark Zuckerberg and by these nonprofits working for the Democrat Party. Boy, that's very, very serious. So let's shift gears as we wrap up this podcast and talk about your book, The Election Heist. I'm interested in how it's doing, of course, but that's because I publish and write books myself. But I want you to explain to my listeners why uh, they need to get the book and read it. You know, what will they learn? You know, you said you wrote it as a warning before the election. Now it's after the election. Why should someone get the book and maybe even tell them how they can get hold of it? Well, the easiest way, just go to my website, KenTimmerman.com, and, and you'll see there's lots of videos up there. There's a short one-and-a-half-minute video where I explain what basically happens uh, in the book and how that relates to what's going on now. Uh, the reason you want to read this is because it makes sense of all that stuff that you're out there and getting bombarded with in the media that makes no sense at all. I show you how the election fraud actually takes place. I show you how the election systems, the electronic voting machines are rigged. I explained to you uh, that when they count the paper ballots, they're actually not counting the paper ballots. They are counting electronic images of the paper ballots. And as one of the uh, software experts that I consulted, a guy happened to work for the federal government, told me anything controlled by software can be hacked, including those machines that make the scanned images of your paper ballots. So Reading the election heights gives you an insider's view of how you steal an election. Uh, and it also gives you some ideas on how to prevent it. You know, your publisher, Post Hill Press, put it as a headline on the back. I'm looking at it now. A political thriller that feels so real you'll think it's already happened. Uh, that's a good headline. It is very true. And I, I look forward to digging into this myself, and it was kind of my interest in your book that prompted me to reach out to you to do a podcast. I really appreciate you fitting me into a very, very busy schedule. I'll give you the last word. Well, thanks so much, Stephen. I, I very much appreciate it. The, look, we have to preserve our democracy, and to preserve our democracy, we have to preserve the sanctity and uh, the sanctity of the vote. Uh, if people don't believe that their votes are secure, uh, if they believe that their vote can be canceled by the vote of an illegal person voting, uh, of, of, you know, of, of illegal votes, uh, why would they ever believe in our democracy again? So this is important. It's important for all of us. Uh, and again, the election heist gives you an agreeable way, a pleasant way of learning how the system actually works and what the flaws are and what we can do about it. Well, thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for explaining your book so well. And thank you to my listeners for tuning in. Share this with friends. If you're a new listener, uh, subscribe to the podcast or like it. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. That helps. And tune in again tomorrow for another podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Stephen Strang. Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Steve Strang. To read more from Steve, visit his blog, 
The Strang Report on CharismaMag.com. Again, it's The Strang Report on CharismaMag.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. I'm back in the studio and I wanted to share with you about my latest book, God, Trump, and COVID-19. When the lockdown happened in March, everything changed. We didn't know exactly what was happening. Some of us even thought it was kind of like the bubonic plague. And in that setting, I wrote a book in just three weeks to talk about the COVID itself, about its origins in China, and about how it would affect the election. We didn't really have any idea how it would be politicized, and here all these months later, we're still dealing with this, even though only 2 or 3% of the population have even been infected, and most of those have survived. You want to get a copy of this book on my website, stevestrangbooks.com. You can also find the other books that I have written. I think you'll find them interesting. Every book you buy on stevestrangbooks.com is signed by the author. That's me. And I write these books to minister to you, to use my perspective as a Christian journalist, being objective but doing it from a spiritual and godly worldview instead of the secular, godless worldview that most of the media in this country have. So thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you for checking out my book. I really do think that you'll enjoy God, Trump, and COVID-19 at stevestrangbooks.com. 